This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. Yeah, back on a Monday. So we got to talk with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, talk about USC football like we always do. It's been a few weeks since we've had the coach on. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. The former UNLV head coach has been covering USC and analyzing USC football for many, many years. And we've been lucky to have him on the podcast since the very beginning, back in 2008 when we started this thing. And we want to talk about some of the offseason news and notes of going around the USC football program as the highly anticipated 2022 season, kicking off the Lincoln-Riley era, is coming up faster than we can imagine. We're uh, already in late June, and uh, July is going to be crazy. Get Pac-12 media days and stuff, and then August fall camp. And then before you know it, it'll be September, and USC kicks off against Rice in the Coliseum. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com. We'd love to get your emails, and we'll keep uh, answering all those that you send in. And you can also call or text us at 424-254-9141 is our number. If you have the Apple Apple Podcasting app, please follow us and leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, I think we're almost to 1,000 uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, so we really would appreciate it if you can go on there. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show, whatever you want, uh, but it does, definitely helps to grow the show. And you know, helping to grow the show is when you you have some good shows, and I think we're going to have a good show today, Coach, because there's some really interesting stuff to talk about around USC football, and we want to get your opinion on all of it. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Well, Ryan, I just want to say to all of our listeners out there, if you're a father, happy Father's Day. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you before this, but uh, I'm going to do it today, and I hope you had a wonderful day. I had a wonderful day yesterday. Maybe my one of my best father days. I'm not kidding. The kids came over. We didn't get distracted as far as watching TV. Normally, you know, you got to have a game on or do something like that. We sat around the living room, then we sat around the table. And we had a nice talk, and you know, they love to eat sushi. I don't know if you like it or not. I do. They said, they said Dad, we're going to get sushi, and I said, okay. And man, they brought sushi. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So they're going to come over more often, which is pretty expensive. So they're going to start coming more often so we can have sushi together. But uh, we had a wonderful, one of my best, one of my best day, uh, father days. That's awesome. Well, happy, bir- happy, happy birthday. Happy Father's Day to you, uh, Coach Hyde. Um, yeah, no, I love me love me some sushi. So I'm glad you got, got to do that with your kids. And uh, hope everyone out there, fathers, if you have a father, you're, you know, your father, whatever, hope everyone had happy Father's Days. And uh, we're rolling along. The holidays keep kind of passing, Coach, and then we get closer and closer. Right. It'll be 4th of July, 
then it'll be, you know, get, going through the summer. You get Labor Day's coming up, and then, bam, college football's upon us. It, it's coming here quick. It really is. We're about 10 weeks away from kickoff. And I'll tell you, that's really not that far when you consider it. Because time, when the older you get, it seems they go, the days go faster, the weeks go faster, and the summer goes faster, especially when you're trying to get ready for a camp and you're doing recruiting, you're trying to do all the different things you need to do as far as getting your team together, the morale of the team, the summer workouts. It really goes fast. Plus, you try to get your coaches a little vacation time in there. So, and all of a sudden, it's here. So, and it's always... uh uh, great to see it coming, but it's a different time of year, right? It's I don't know what you want to call it, but it, uh, it opens up all the schools. Everybody's excited about going back to college, and then you have a big football game. and uh, the, yeah, It's just a great time of the year. How can I explain it any better than that? No, it is definitely a great time of the year, and uh, there's been uh, some cool stuff going on around USC. Uh, the Salute to Troy event was this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but we had a little bit of kind of... Uh, yeah, breaking news. Um, so one of the things, if you guys saw, we've been doing a bunch of kind of interviews with uh, either people around the USC football program or former players and stuff. And I got to have Darnell Bing on uh, a couple weeks ago. And if you remember, he was able to wear the number 20 while at USC, even though it was retired. And Mike Garrett uh, had the, the number 20. Mike Garrett was the athletic director at the time, gave him permission. I asked Darnell Bing about Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff award-winning wide receiver who wears number three. And obviously Carson Palmer has that number retired because he won the Heisman uh, back in 2002 and he wore number three. So uh, I think he originally wore 15, if I'm not mistaken. And then he switched to number three, but anyway, number three is retired. Darnell Bing didn't really want to touch it. Coach. He was like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he wasn't, I don't think he realized how the importance of the number when he did get it, he almost felt bad that he had it unretired, but obviously, you know, it worked out. He had a great career. And uh, we learned over the salute to Troy or, or just before it that Jordan Addison came out wearing number three. Uh, they talked about it. Uh, Carson Palmer gave him his blessing. And they will have another retired number being worn for, you know, likely one season for Jordan Addison. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Coach. Uh, Jordan Addison wearing number three. Well, let me tell you, I, I heard that uh, interview, okay, I listened to it, and uh, so I picked up the phone, I called Mike Garrett, I said, Mike, I just heard Darnell Bing talk about wearing number 20 and so on, and, and he mentioned, oh my gosh, if I'd have known it was Mike Garrett's, uh, I might not have asked for that number, and I we laughed on the phone, and and he said, uh, he said, well, you know, Pete Carroll came to me, and he says, uh, there's a kid that's requested uh, number 20, your number. And I said to Pete, I said, how good is he? Pete says, he's really good. Mike Garrett said, of course. Of course he can wear my jersey if it helps him come to USC. So that's the story on that. We chuckle over that, and I and I listened to that uh, interview, and I thought it was really good with all the things that he's doing now currently. And if people haven't listened to it, they should. And now with Carson Palmer, I don't know if uh, – if, uh, how that came about, who asked him about wearing the number, but I'm sure someone asked, do you mind if he wears the number? And obviously, Carson Palmer said, if it makes him a better football player, it makes him feel better, why not? It's for the cause. So uh, we have two, as you mentioned, two retired numbers uh, there uh, in the Coliseum and also former players and Heisman Trophy winners now being warned. So I get to sort of, I don't know, put a little pressure on you. I guess it puts a little bit of pressure on you if you're wearing number three, 
and you know whose jersey it was and what happened to that jersey and why it was retired. So good luck to him, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know what the rest of the other receivers are thinking. Uh, wow, this guy's being treated really well, which he should be. He's a great uh, receiver. But I think there'll be uh, other receivers that want to shine too, and it might bring the level of the receivers up to a different level to prove themselves also. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And that's great that you called uh, Mike Garrett about that. So very cool. I'm glad that that, that was a great story you shared. I'm uh, Thank you for sharing that. Um, but we learned about this uh, at the Salute to Troy, and I wanted to talk about that. Um, get some notes. Neither of us uh, went. Um, I was coming back from Catalina. This wasn't really a media event. It's more for you know uh, donors and alumni and stuff. So we normally would you know try to stay away from the salute to Troy events because it's more of you know it's for the players and you know the former players come out. They honor the you know the 50th and 25th anniversary teams, and uh, they normally have it. At the end of fall camp in August, and they have it over the you know at the the track stadium, and uh, they moved it up. So they made a few changes, and they they moved it up to have it uh, a correspond with a big official visit weekend, recruiting weekend. Even though the recruits aren't there, um, you know it's kind of you, you brought a lot of former players there. They're going to talk to the recruits, but they can also talk to the alumni. And I you know wanted to kind of get your thoughts on all this, but a few notes. Um, yeah, it's like it's a big barbecue. Uh, I think some of that stuff seemed very similar. Uh, you know, from the from what I was told, they didn't have as many like band members as they would have some in the past. Like when it's uh, in the fall, where they're really getting ready for football, like the whole song girls are out there, the band and everything. So you kind of have more of a skeleton crew because this is a uh, you know school's already out and you know not everyone's on campus right now. So that was a little bit different. Um, but it sounded like coach that everyone. You know, was excited. They loved hearing from all of the assistant coaches. They loved hearing from Lincoln Riley. And they had guys like Marcus Allen there, Matt Liner, Willie McGinnis, Lendell White, Sean Cody, um, other guys like Jarrell Casey and Malcolm Smith, former Super Bowl MVP, Drake London and Amon Ross St. Brown, more recent guys with some, you know, absolute USC legends out there uh, kind of talking about things. But it, from what I heard, Coach, it sounded like a great event. Uh, people were really excited, and I think it was you know one of the first times that you know you could, as a USC fan, go out and kind of get a feel for what this new team uh, is like. So, just any thoughts on the Salute to Troy event? I wanted to to hear from you, Coach. Well, I've been to that a couple times. Uh, you probably have been too, uh, as a guest of, of a donor or somebody that bought a table or whatever. And I think it was a great event. I really think it's a great event. But I liked it when camp closed and was just getting ready for the start of the season. Now, I, Lincoln Riley can do it any way he wants. But I thought it was the close of the summer and everybody's excited. They've been reading about fall camp. Uh, they're all excited about coming back and football getting going. And it used to be a huge crowd. I mean, absolutely, the whole field is covered, okay, with tables and barbecues and whatever goes along with a huge party. And as you mentioned, the assistant coaches get up and introduce uh, their players individually. So you have a chance to see the assistant coaches speak. You see the uh, players come up and, and recognize them out of their uniforms. Because sometimes, you know, you don't recognize a player because you're away, uh, away from them. Uh, you don't see them. Uh, you see them with a helmet on and so on. So I think that's really great. And they sit in a certain area and so on. 
and then they have one. They honored two teams. I think they honored the '94 team and the '72 team. I think, and they have someone speak from that team. I think Anthony Davis spoke for one of them, and I don't know who spoke for the other one, which is absolutely fabulous. And then, uh, of course, uh, uh, Lincoln Riley gets up there and talks about the season. And you know, they've sort of kept Lincoln Riley uh, under wraps. He hasn't spoken in front of many people. I mean, yes, the media he has, but I don't think he's ever been in front of a lot of people at one time. Because they used to have that tour when they went around, you know, to San Gabriel and San Diego and the San Fernando Valley and Ventura and so on. And they're not really doing that right now. So this is something I thought that was great. If he decided to have it this weekend, he has a must have a reason for that. But myself personally, I'm saying personally, I liked it when it was close to the start of the season. I get you, Coach, and you know, I think this was – I don't know if it was a Lincoln-Riley call or more of an athletic department call. They they definitely had, um, I guess, toned this down after the Sark incident. You know, uh, that was sort of – kind of changed the the face of this – you know, whatever, the future of this event for quite a while because it was a big deal. And I think once the, you know, that Sark stuff happened, they sort of de-emphasized this and you had the pandemic and all that stuff, so – Maybe this is just sort of a rebranding and they're going to do it, you know, in the spring. It might just be, I don't know, maybe it's just one year they're doing it to kind of get people excited and get them through the summer heading into camp and try to sell tickets and all that kind of stuff. But from what I, you know, from what we were told, the people that I talked to that were there, uh, they really, they really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a 72 team. Um, and I think Anthony Davis was one of the featured guys there. Um, like Alan Graff, there was a bunch of guys. Uh, there was no Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan at the event from what I was told, so the former USC ADs didn't come out for their 72 team. And uh, I guess the 97 team would be the one uh, afterwards. I think there was only a few guys represented uh, there from, from that team. So, um, but I guess, you know, some of the things they talked about, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley made a call to action for uh, the Boulevard, like stay doubted, um, you know, that the, basically the NIL third party company that they're working with. It's this new program that's going to launch this summer for USC um, athletes, student athletes to get representation, to get set up for NIL deals, to get legal advice, um, tax advice, all things like that. It's supposed to be this very unique program. And we'll have you guys more details on that um, later. We'll try to get some guests on to kind of talk about that. But one of the aspects of that coach is to uh, allow fans to be able to contribute um, to uh, basically like subscribe, like some kind of subscription, some kind of membership where the money you put in will go towards student athletes getting different NIL deals. And I don't know the details of how that would work. If you would say, Hey, I want to help the offensive line, or I want to help the women's water polo team or whatever, or if it's just some general fund that you contribute to, and then they distribute money, you know, with NIL deals that they would broker. Uh, but that's been that was up there, and and Lincoln Riley, you know, gave out the email address about stay doubted and where you know I think it's Boulevard at staydoubted.com. I, I believe that's what it is. But um, you know, Lincoln Riley kind of was asking like, hey, you guys are our alumni, you're our fans. Everyone's got to put. We're all putting in 100 percent effort to try to make this program better. You guys can do your part too by helping and contributing, and this will help our student athletes and help us stay competitive. But any any kind of thoughts on any of that, Coach? Well, you know, uh, you know my feeling on that. I really don't uh, like to see student-athletes making money as far as, you know, I'd like to see them go to a school 
because they want to go to that school. They love the school. They want to graduate from that school. They love the tradition of that school. They're getting a full scholarship, and they have more access to everything else than anybody else that's a student at the school. And uh, there's never enough, okay? I hate to tell you this. There's never enough. Um to ask the alumni to contribute, uh, I think every university is doing that. Uh, you saw the coach at Ohio State have a big meeting and tell him, hey, guys, I need $13 million to keep this recruiting class together, $13 million. Well, you know, where does it stop? And until they have a commissioners of some type and have some rules and regulations, I don't know where it stops. It just continues to go. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you ask, you, how much can you, how many times can you ask your fans? How many times can you ask your alumni? How many times can you ask them to contribute to the, the stadium or to the Cardinal of Gold and to uh, all these different events? Like yesterday was a definite fundraiser. I mean, yeah, it can be a title sponsor for 50000 You can buy a table for eight for 3500 A definite, definite fundraiser. I mean, uh, when does it stop? And I, you know, and I'm not saying the athletes are wrong in trying to get what they want, but I'm saying you got to stop somewhere. You can't keep asking people for more and more and more. But again, you almost have to ask more because this is where it's at. And I don't know what it costs for these recruiting weekends, but I understand they had a big party dinner with family and players at Staples Center last night or Saturday night. I'm not sure what night it was. I mean, what does that cost? I mean, I have no idea what it's costing to recruit now as far as all these additional costs and things that are going on. So I don't know what it costs for a weekend like this past weekend for recruiting. And I know they went up to, I think, Lincoln Riley's home and had a big, I don't know if they ate there, but supposedly a barbecue or some type and, uh, you know, became friendly with his residents and so on. I mean, I think that's great. Don't don't get me wrong. When I was a head coach at at UNLV, don't you think we didn't lose Las Vegas as far as making a highlight? I used to tell him, and this will be the greatest weekend you'll ever have in Las Vegas, because when you come here, you're not going to be able to afford a lot of these things. (laughs) And uh, I think that's the way it is uh, when you visit a college. It's the greatest weekend you're ever going to have when you're a student or a player there at USC because you have they want to show you more than anywhere else. Now, in some areas uh, that have universities, they can't even compete with me or, or Los Angeles as far as what I can do for a campus visit, supposedly campus visit. I wasn't allowed to take them farther than two miles away from the campus at that time. But as far as, and, you know, I'd had them all picked up at the airport in limos. Well, you can't do that. In some cities, there's not enough limos. And they stayed in suites. Well, they can't really do that in a lot of cities. So the NCAA wrote me a letter. The conference got all excited about that and wrote me a letter and said, I can't use limos and I can't use suites. It's got to be like everybody else has. So, you know, there's a point of when they, they, they rein you back in where you can't do what other teams in your conference can't have. So USC, you know, USC's got Southern California. Now, can you imagine what they have in Southern California already before you do all this other stuff compared to what some of the other cities, and I'm not going to point out what some of these other cities are in the Pac-12, but you can imagine how they compete as far as showing them a great weekend or whatever. 
but USC is uh, in the prime area, and I don't know what this type of weekend cost. But you ask me what my feelings are. I don't know how you can keep asking for more money uh, from the people who support the program because they've done so much for the program already. And now there's always something more. You know what I mean, Ryan? Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. We're, I'm curious to see because there's, I mean, there's been a lot of debate about, well, if you can just contribute to players directly through a collective or through, you know, stay doubted, does that mean the athletic department itself is going to get less so if I'm, you know, Joe Booster and I had $10,000 a year to give and I'm like, well, I'm going to give it to the players directly now. And then I'm not going to give it to the the fund to, you know, make a new, like, you know, refurbish the new building or whatever, whatever, you know, refurbish a building or build something new. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could there could be direct impacts on the athletic department if if money that would normally go to them. Uh, now is going to players, so there's there's a definitely a lot of talk about that, and we don't know, you know, we've only been a year into the NIL, or not even quite yet, so we'll kind of see how where this goes. But as far as like what the weekends cost, and you know, that's a good segue into it's an official visit weekend Palooza this past weekend. USC brought in an absolute ton of highly ranked prospects for official visits. I think they had four the previous weekend, and it was more than double digits uh, this past weekend. And they even had to stagger them a little bit. You know, coach, you mentioned some of the stuff that they did. Some of the stuff is normal where they go to like nice dinners, like a Mastro's or something. Uh, the new thing has been, you know, going to Lincoln Riley's house, which is, you want to save some money that that saves money. Cause you're not renting anything out. You're just going to the head coach's house and it's absolutely gorgeous. You can't do that in Corvallis, right? Like you're not going to Palos Verdes overlooking a cliff, over the looking the ocean, you know, and that's where Lincoln Riley's house is. But yeah, that, you know, they did go to the crypto.com arena, the former staple center. I don't know. I didn't see if they went to, they usually go to Manhattan beach and have brunch or you know breakfast on Sunday before players leave. But I think they, they did the crypto arena instead. They take the guys bowling. They do a lot of LA stuff. Uh, I'd be curious to see what UNLV can do now, because I think they could probably do some of those things. You were a pioneer back then coach. I think they can do some of those things. Now there's, different rules and whatever that you can do. But um, I feel like if you're the USC is not trying to compete with Pullman, Washington or Corvallis or Tucson when they're hosting these official visit weekends, they are really trying to compete with Ohio state and Alabama, Texas A&M and all those schools that are recruiting, you know, Georgia at the very highest level and taking some of those Southern California players away, some of the national players away I think they have to use everything in their toolbox to try and make it cool again to be on the West Coast and, and USC. And they've definitely done that. And I would say, you know, you could argue, like, how much does it cost? I don't know what all the, the money is going into all that. But they are crossing every T and dotting every I, Coach. They are very well organized. I mean, there's a huge recruiting team in place. And they know, I think Lincoln Riley knows, if you want to try to keep up with the Joneses, you have to use everything at your disposal to recruit these players. So check out the social media posts. We have a ton of stories up on uscfootball.com right now. Visit updates where we talk to a lot of these prospects, you know, to see what they, you know, what they thought about the visits and all that stuff. So go over to uscfootball.com. We'll get you more information on that. You can listen to our two-star composite recruiting podcast with Chris Trevino and Gerard Martinez later this week. They'll have a ton of, of information on that if you want to get into the nitty-gritty details of all of it. But overall, Coach, like this was maybe – and Gerard's been covering USC recruiting for like almost 20 years. 
he said this might be the biggest recruiting weekend like they've ever had. Um, and it's really Lincoln Riley trying to make a big splash with some of these guys. Um, so it's, it was a big one though, coach. And definitely it's, it, things have changed, but it seems like you were a pioneer when you're kind of using the, the city around you to your advantage, uh, back when you were doing it. Exactly. You do what you can do and, uh, you show them the town and, uh, show what's available for them. But again, uh, a lot of this, they don't receive when they become a student athlete, when they come to the university, but, I always used to make sure, first of all, let me tell you, first of all, I'd make sure that the kid was admissible. I didn't want somebody coming on a visit that we couldn't get in school, okay? The second thing, I wanted to make sure that he always had a host of a student athlete on our football program that knew exactly him, his background, studied him before he came, and we advised him about him so he knew about uh, his academics, we knew about what he should talk about. We knew about all of that. And uh, we made sure that every student athlete was able to have an academic advisor meeting, have a nutritionist meeting, meet with the strength coach, all of these different things on top of all of these other things we're talking about. But one of the most important things was your host and the trust and the loyalty in your host as far as to the program and to you as a head football coach and your assistant football coaches. Because you didn't want someone just coming on a visit to come to L.A. and leading you on. And you wanted your host to find out just how serious, immediately when this kid got there, how how serious he was as far as coming to USA. And sometimes they would slip up and say, man, I just took a trip out here. I'm going to Utah. Or I took a trip out here. I'm going to Florida State. And I, I'd find this out. Is this true? And he'd say, yeah, coach. He says he's just out here for, for a visit and a vacation. Well, I would have to then, in some cases, not often, we would take that kid back to the airport and send him home. Because we don't want somebody who's come already deciding where he's going to school and become a recruiter for the other schools and say, man, I'm just out here. Why don't you come to Florida State with me and this and that? These things happen. So you have to be very careful on who your host is with each student athlete that's visiting and making sure that they communicate and find out exactly what this player wants to hear. Like, Coach, he's really interested in this. He wants to really talk to this academic advisor. He wants to talk to the dean uh, of the med school. Or we want to do these things. And you find this out before, but you let this host really dig in and find out about this kid. Or he he might say, Coach, he's not going to fit here. He's not going to fit here. He's not our type of player we want. So you would learn a lot about this from your host. And it was really important that... uh, the hosts were honest and did their job and uh, really did a good job with these kids. Didn't leave them by themselves when they went somewhere on their own and so on. And and it, it, the host is very important in recruiting. No, the host is really important. It's funny. Um, it's a pretty unique situation. Uh, one of the highest ranked players that USC has committed for the class of 2023 is uh, uh, Zachariah Branch from Bishop Gorbett, Las Vegas. His brother, Zion Branch, is uh, enrolled at USC now and is within class of 2022. And we have a story with uh, Zachariah Branch, who also does a lot of recruiting uh, for this class. So he was it was really important to have him there this weekend because he's going to be part of that 
you know, recruiting team trying to get guys to commit, but his host was his brother. So, you know, I think your brother's, if, if your brother's your host, that's probably a pretty good sign, coach. <laughs> no, it is a good sign, but I understand he's going to be taking a visit to, uh, to where I can't remember where, but he's going to be taking a visit. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I think he's taking uh, another visit or two. Um, he's, I, I wouldn't worry if you're a USC fan. He's someone that's been, uh, you know, recruiting for USC for quite a while. Uh, but you know, he's, He's put his work in on the the recruiting trail for USC, so I think he can he can go take a couple of visits too if he wants to. Um, but so as far as that stuff goes, following the weekend, I think there was three or four emojis, fight on emojis that were tweeted out. So it looks like USC did pick up some commitments. Um, one of them, and we we did find out this was we're recording this Monday morning. We heard a little bit earlier. Uh, there's a three-star composite um, offensive lineman. He's a lineman. Probably going to play offensive line. Uh, Amos Talalele uh, from Santa Clara, uh, California. Class of 2023. He was committed to Cal. So he's a Northern um, California guy and uh, going to uh, switch from Cal to USC after his visit over the weekend. So we had kind of posted some stuff on the board that it looked like he removed some of his Cal um pictures from his visit and stuff but you know the visit went well and it looks like he's uh you know he's going to go he tweeted out he's going to go to usc now so um so you know that's the first commitment by the time you guys hear this there might be more that have come out but we, we thought there'd be some commits from over the weekend and that was the the first one that fell this morning coach well good and i tell you that's one of those situations where a kid still was open-minded came to uh, usc to see if he had made the right decision to go to cal and found out that there's a better opportunity for him at, at USC. So that's exactly what we were talking about. It can work one way or another. So uh, I think I'm glad that worked out. I did not know that, right? So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first. But there's been some other emoji tweets, so we'll kind of keep you up to date on uh, what is going on there. Also, some, some news that came out, the numbers for the incoming freshmen. I wanted to kind of go over those quickly with you because we talked about Jordan Addison, but um, Zion Branch, we just mentioned the safety. He's wearing number eight. Uh, the running back, Rayleigh Brown, the five-star, coming in at number 14, along with uh, the cornerback transfer, Jacoby Covington from Washington. Uh, the QB transfer, Jake Jensen, he's going to wear number 17. Uh, the ASU linebacker uh, transfer, Eric Gentry, he's going to wear number 18. Uh, cornerback Fabian Ross, also of uh, Bishop Gorman. He's going to wear number 26. Ohio State safety transfer uh, Bryson Shaw is going to wear number 27. Utah linebacker transfer Carson Tabarici, uh, Tabarachi, he's going to wear number 34. Uh, Russian Devon, uh, Devin Tompkins is going to wear number 37. Uh, linebacker Garrison Madden going to wear number 41. Defensive lineman Solomon Bird will wear 51. Uh, offensive lineman uh, from Butler Community College Cooper Lovelace is going to wear 71. And uh, there's uh, Atticus uh, Bertram's, uh, the punter from Down Under, is doesn't have a number yet that we know of. He's still finishing school, so he wasn't there uh, over the weekend. So that's sort of like a rundown of all the incoming freshman numbers. And one, one little note to, uh, as well, Coach, and I got – Word from a source that this was probably going to be the case, but uh, Max Gibbs was not listed. The offensive lineman, you switch from offensive defensive line, uh, you know, big kid out of uh, St. John Bosco. 
he wasn't listed on the roster and we had got some rumblings that, um, you know, he wasn't on campus right now. So we don't know all the details yet, but uh, it's, you know, there's some questions about Max Gibbs future with his charging football team. So we'll keep you up to date on what we hear about that. But USC doesn't have a ton of depth on the offensive line and uh, you know, big kid always been, you know, a nice kid. We always loved interviewing him, but we'll try to find out what's going on there, but it doesn't, some issues going on with Max Gibbs. He wasn't, you know, not being on the roster after being on their spring. Uh, not, not a good sign, I would say. Yeah, I'm disappointed on that because I thought he had a good spring. I really liked him playing right guard, and I think he really hustled and had a good spring game. Showed a lot of energy. I thought he eventually would be a pretty good player as far as with the improvement that he did. So that's disappointing, and I hope he gets that straightened away where he can come back and be a Trojan. I, I don't know what's going on with it either, and. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But like not being listed on the roster, that's usually not a good sign. So you kind of put the, you know, connect some dots there. But we'll uh, we'll keep you updated if we hear anything more about Max Gibbs. Uh, one other note before we uh, take a quick break. Uh, USC's got a new board of trustees uh, chairman. So uh, Suzanne Nora Johnson, she was with Goldman Sachs. She's been on a lot of different boards and stuff. And she's been a trustee for, I believe, like two decades right now. Um, because of, uh, you know, the, the opening there, um, with Rick Caruso running for mayor of Los Angeles, uh, that opened up a spot and Suzanne Nor Johnson was elected. They sent out an email and she, you know, expressed some thoughts there and stuff. She's been a big part of trying to fix some of the problems around USC lately. So, uh, I don't know much about her coach, but, uh, just let everyone know that USC has a new chairman of the USC board of trustees. Well, congratulations to her, and uh, I hope that uh, uh, it's a challenging job, Brian. It's a challenging job. When you think about USC and all the parts of USC and everything that goes along with USC, and oh my gosh, uh, I mean, you have a challenging day. I just hope that she lives locally and uh, can spend a lot of time on campus because uh, she's going to have to and uh, do a great job of leadership and uh make sure that USC continues with its tradition of the past and bring it to the present and get everybody uh, back. It's been through some challenging times and need to unify a lot of things out there. And and, uh, I hope she can do that. That's all I can say. And I want to wish her the best of luck in doing that. All right. And uh, let's see. Yeah, that was it, I think. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a couple questions for you, Coach, back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, Coach, we've got a couple for you, and we'll let you go. Brett from Knoxville says, my question is to Coach Harvey Hyde. Why has college football gone year-round now? Uh, why are these players and coaches not getting enough downtime during the offseason? Is, uh, is it if the players or coaches are feeling pressure to get faster and stronger all year-round? Why would anyone, including the coaches and players, want to destroy their bodies from such a nasty physical game? like to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Thanks and fight on from Brett. Well, Brett, uh, I, I don't know. You're talking to the choir here. You're talking to a guy that agrees with you. I think there's a time and place to take a break. I think it's time to become a regular family member, and I think it's time to also not get away from football completely. But let your mind rest from football, and if you're a young student-athlete, be with your family and friends for a period of time as far as uh, doing things possibly away from campus. Not that you're giving up working out, but it has become a year-round sport. It has become a burnout type of situation for high school kids when they start these weekend camps when they're in the 9th and 10th grade. and. Uh, people are evaluating them all the time, and they're going full speed, and they're traveling around different locations on different campuses. Really, uh, I, I don't know if uh, the body can withstand all that continuously. When you watch the offensive and defensive linemen go against each other, actually, they're not pads, but it's almost full speed. Uh, so, and seven on seven, so important, and and everything that you do is that you're being competitive and you're being great at every moment. I think there's a time you've got to rest a little bit. And uh, and I think what it's become is a, a challenging battle that if he's doing it, I got to do it. Oh, he's got a camp, I got to have a camp. Or if he's going to that camp, I got to go to that camp. And it just continually grows like that and, and it gets completely out of hand. I just think it's out of hand now. Kids are doing it every weekend at different spots. Coaches really are coaching all the time. And if it's in recruiting, they're coaching and doing summer camps. Uh, I used to make sure that my coaches got at least two weeks vacation out of the office completely. Uh, but I never broke my staff down where they were all gone at one time. Now, some coaches let their whole staff go at one time. I never believed in that. I thought you should have coaches on campus. Uh, in case they need them to, you know, a couple of offensive coaches, defensive coaches, whatever. I used to take two weeks myself, no more than what the uh, coach or the players took. The base or my coaches took, but basically I just moved my office. I called in every day and talked with everybody. But it's being a a different spot, a different thing, a different uh, different just different mode. You know, my kids had a good time, and I got to spend time with them, and still be a football coach. So uh, I agree with you, Brent. I think it's way too much. But again, I used to even take the footballs away from my players for a certain period of time. I wanted them to be hungry for football. Say, coach, when are we going to put the footballs out there? I said, well, just, I thought they would appreciate it more when we did do that. So, you know, we'd have these different quickness programs and different programs that we'd have off the practice field where kids can uh, rest their certain muscles, but yet have fun and competitive things in different ways. But now they're there. They're going to summer school year-round. When we had summer school, we basically had it for a purpose of maybe eligibility purposes, uh, having to take some extra classes. Now everybody's trying to graduate in two and a half years or three years. 
We didn't have that. We didn't face that. Uh, we wanted kids to have a full four-year college experience, and then we redshirted a lot of kids, which gave them a five-year college experience. And then they could go ahead and work on their master's degree or whatever. But today, everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry to to get into college, get your degree, uh, all these different things. And, and I, I don't really like it because it doesn't really uh, form uh, what you call a real human being as far as being a little bit uh, a part of everything where you experience the whole package. Yeah, it's definitely more of a year-round thing now. Even you know, for the players, uh, coaches, I mean, they get a couple weeks off usually at the beginning of July, but outside of that, there's not a lot. So, But thanks, Brett, for that question. We got one last one from our buddy John in Brea. So he says, every national analyst talks about the defense being USC's biggest issue this year. If you break it down to three areas, uh, he wants us to rank last year's group on a scale of 1 to 10 in each area and then compare it to what we know about the 2022 group through spring. He said, seriously, how can they not be better than last year? Thanks, John and Brea. So we'll do this. We'll give you a – you're going to rank 1 to 10, 10 being the highest. For We'll do one of these areas at a time for last year and then see what you compare to this year. So one is talent coach. Where would you say USC's defensive talent was last year? Well, I think uh, they wasted a lot of their talent by playing them in positions. You heard me talk about this before in positions where they really weren't uh, fitted for and utilize their skills and what they do well and try to change their skills as far as doing different things. And, uh, I think a player was not playing. A player was really confused and thinking more than just playing football. And they made a lot of mistakes. And uh, and I think you've got to get your players. I think they'll be better organized. I think they'll be more as far as players being a, a position where they should be and learn a position and uh, be good at that position. I think they'll be more advanced in that area. I think that uh, uh, I hope that they're more sound. What I mean by that, they don't have breakdowns, uh, uh, bootlegs and different things they used to get beat on. I hope they don't have that problem. I hope they have that all straightened away and, and penalties and you know pass interference. They've always had a problem with pass interference in the secondary as far as holding and grabbing and having an unfortunate call. So I, I, I hope they get that worked out. And I really think they'll be talent-wise uh, as good or better than what they were last year. I really think they'll be better, but they'll utilize their talent better. So I would think, and the people, the people, I agree with the defense is, is going to be a big key to it. Don't get me wrong, because people aren't worried about the offensive side of the football, because they know Lincoln Riley will score points, and he will. It just will the other team score points. So I think that if they're sound. And they take advantage of their players. I know some of the players they got on the defensive side of the football. They're good football players. Now let's let them play football, teach them how to tackle and play their position and be confident. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay because I think the schedule sort of favors them in that area. And where I really worry about them a little bit as far as the physical part of it, they're not big, but they're quick is when you face a team like Utah is going to want to line up and pound it right down your throat and then play action pass. And then also a team like Notre Dame, who has huge linemen. 
and uh, we'll come running right at you too with play action pass and so on. But against everybody else, I would see them being capable of stopping them or not completely stopping them, but the offense would be able to score enough points against an Oregon State or a team like that is very well coached by Jonathan Smith but wants to run the football. But I don't believe that Oregon State can outscore USC when you look at a lot of the different teams that they're playing. All right, so the, that was a long answer to a, a, a give me a, a number one through ten talent, Coach. Well, hell, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so, like, I think the, the the point you made early on, though, is like there was talent, but maybe it wasn't utilized well. So it's kind of like a complex thing. But I would probably go like last year. You could say like the defense had like six or seven talent as far as like on a scale of one to ten. Um, but some of it was just not being utilized, and I think it's a it's been bumped up. I think it's more of like seven or eight for this year, um, talent wise with some of the players they brought in. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I would. I think I think they're talent wise they think they I think they should be better. Yeah, they'll be a little bit better, but I I think a lot of it, like you said, was the not utilizing it. What about scheme? Like where would you put how the defensive scheme was last year, scale of one to ten, and you know, what we know about what it's gonna be this year, which, you know, hard to tell we haven't seen a game yet. I think it'd be a lot better. I think it'll be uh easier. And uh, players will know where to line up. They'll move around a lot, which will try to confuse the offense, which I always felt was a something that I like to do. If you get the offensive people thinking rather than playing, and all you need to do is have one guy miss a block, and you got to play. But I, I really think they'll be better, their scheme-wise and so on, and I think they'll have fun playing defense. You know, you got to have fun playing defense, flying around and hitting people and running to the football and making plays. Defense, you can have a lot of fun playing on defense. You really can. Offense is more serious. Offense, okay, let's do this. We got to block that guy. Make sure you have him. Make sure you get your reads. But on defense, man, you can fly around and have a lot of fun and make some great tackles and get turnovers and intercept pass. Do it all. So I think defense is the fun side of the ball to play. Yeah, and I think that's his third point: effort and coaching. Um, I think you're going to see. You know, improved. I think I think the scheme's going to be better, but I think improved effort, improved you know coaching, just better position coaches. Um, there's more buy-in as far as accountability. Uh, you know, the, the players seem like more responsible, more disciplined. You have better leadership at the very top, which which helps. Um, and you know, obviously, the head coach isn't fired. <laughs> you know, like and you're going through the motions, and players don't know where they're going to be, and all that kind of stuff. So, I, yeah, I feel like John's point is. I think all three of these are going to be better. So the defense was historically bad last year, and I think you're going to see a much improved defense that's going to have more talent, utilize the talent better, scheme will be better, effort will be better, player development will be better. So, yes, I, my opinion, I think all those things are going to be better, to John's point. I agree 100%. And uh, for one of the first times, you got a bunch of coaches that didn't get fired that came to USC. <laughs> I right. tell you, which which is a pretty good feeling. You know, they came to USC, but they wanted to be there from other winning programs like Texas A and M and and uh, uh, Oklahoma and some places where they have a little bit of. Uh, uh, they had a decision to make: were they staying there or coming here? Yeah, Michigan, Utah, like yeah, players, yeah. You know, coaches that are and, like they were really yeah, good at their job before, and they left right. a good spot to come to right. USC. Not exactly. Not they've been out of coaching right for five head, years huh? and. Then they just came back, you know, because USC needed somebody. That, that's that's not how the staff was put together, for sure. 
Yep, I agree with that 100%. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. It was good to get you back again. And uh, we had a lot of uh, interesting topics to talk about today. So uh, thanks for the questions. And uh, thank you for uh, for coming on. Ryan, thank you. It's an honor. And we'll be going regular here as we get closer to camp. But, you know, we don't want to just come on and do, you know, do a show to do a show. We want to come on with the things to talk about. So keep your questions coming in. And when we get back on the air, we'll answer them for you. Sounds good. Yes, perfectly. Perfectly stated, Coach. And uh, you know, I want to thank you again and thank everyone else out there in Peristyle Podcast land for listening to our little show. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.